the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and God, Amen. It's a blessing to be amongst you all. So we're in the Tuesday and the eve of Wednesday of the Holy Vasca. And this year is extra special because we didn't have Pascha as normal last year. And so for many of us, this is two years in the making where we are today. And even where we are today, we know that there's still things that are compromised. We, we have to wear our masks. Services are, you know, maybe we have to register. Um, we have to shorten some services. And so we're still kind of feeling the effects of what happened last year and is still currently going. But it's still such a blessing to be in the church and to have the opportunity to praise and sing and honor the Lord this week. Each day of the Pascha usually has a theme or uh, a major event that happened, such as yesterday when we saw the fig tree and the cursing of the fig tree. Tomorrow we'll see the Lord, uh, you know, we'll have, he'll, his body will be anointed by the holy oil and uh, Judas would go and agree with the priests. Thursday, the Lord washes the feet of the disciples. He administers first time communion. And at night, he's praying in the garden, and there's the arrest, and of course, Good Friday is the crucifixion. Today, there is really no major event that we commemorate uh, as we read through the Pascha book. But there is a story that happened, and we'll share that a little bit later. But the church did something special today that we didn't do yesterday or the night before, which is we sang Pekathronos, which is the hymn of the Lord honoring the Lord on His throne, which is the cross. Because when the Lord mentions the cross, the psalm that gets chosen is Pekathronos. And so we sang Pekathronos earlier today. And we also added something to the Paschal praise, the Toktetikom, we added which words? Pesotir in Agathos, or in English, my good Savior, my good Savior. So, so, so good Savior. It's such a sweet and loving title that we give to the Lord. And the question is for us tonight, do you know Him as your good Savior? Or are we just singing this because it's in the Paschal book and on the screen? Our church in her wisdom sometimes chooses in our prayers to pray in a communal way, where we're all praying together and we're addressing the Lord together as the body of Christ. Like, for instance, when we say in the creed, we believe in one God, right? We, or Amin, 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 we proclaim, O Lord, right? Your death, your holy resurrection, we confess. And sometimes the church tells us, pray personally. And this prayer of the Thoktetigom is a personal prayer. Although we sing it together, it's a personal prayer. And that's why we say, my good Savior, not our good Savior. Church is telling us, direct this in an intimate way to the Lord. Because this week actually is not just about the church and Christ. It's about you and Him. It's about me and Him. A week where He invites me to cling so close to Him. Yesterday we had a speaker and he said, 
It's God squeezing us close to him. I really liked how he said that. Hour by hour, minute by minute, the Lord is letting us cling to him intimately and closely. So that when the Lord was hungry, when he saw the fig tree, I'm hungry with him. When the Lord is anointed by the woman and his body preparing for his burial tomorrow, I'm there with him seeing and, in, and being invited to be the same and offer my love and my heart, pouring it forth on Christ's body. When he's washing the disciples' feet, that I'm there with him. And it's not Abuna that's going to be washing our feet on Holy Thursday. It's Christ himself that's washing our feet and giving us his body and his blood. When he's there in the garden and telling the disciples, watch with me, stay awake with me. I'm there with him and I'm praising him. And throughout this, as we see him, he wept as we commemorated Lazarus Saturday. And he wept when he saw Jerusalem and, and how he was in agony in the garden with vehement cries and tears and his sweat became great drops of blood. And we see him hungry. And when the, when the Bible says the Lord Jesus is hungry, it's not just any hunger. When was the only other time when we see Jesus hungry, the Lord Jesus hungry, was after he fasted for how long? 40 days and 40 nights. And it said afterward he was hungry. So when he was hungry yesterday, he was really hungry. So we see him in this agony, in this physical weakness, in this pain, in this suffering. But we see, thine is the power and the glory and the blessing and the majesty. You, Lord, are revealing, Lord, your strength. You, Lord, are revealing your power. You, Lord, are showing us how amazing you are because you did not need to go through this. You put yourself through this because you love me. And in this, you're actually showing me your power. In your weakness, you're showing me your power. And with God, there is no time, right? So I'm here in 2021 and I'm praising God, but the Lord hears it back then. He is not bound by time. When I'm praising Him and I'm thinking of Him now, He heard me back then. And when He was on the cross, He was thinking of me now. That's how real this week is. One person put it this way. Just like when we take communion, we are transported to the table with the Lord and He gives us His body and His blood and we are there at the table with Him. So too, in this Paschal week, I'm there with Him, seeing Him in His agony and seeing Him on the cross. I'm there. In a mystical way, we are there. And St. Paul tells us this. St. Paul tells us this. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering, being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. I want to repeat that and take that little piece by piece because it's really powerful. That I may know Him, know Him intimately, 
and that I may experience the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. Do you know what the Greek word for fellowship is? Kynonia. Kynonia. But the English translation is not strong enough. Do you know what the real word of kanonia means? Communion. The communion of his sufferings. The intimate union that I am allowed to share in in the sufferings of the Lord. Being conformed to his death. That I am changed into Christ's death. What kind of words are these, St. Paul? It's words by someone who lived this week. It's words by someone who lived the passion and, and understood the invitation given to you and me in the same way. It's not just a fellowship, but a union. My good Savior, He is so good. I want to take this, these three words and focus, on, focus in on them one by one. First, He is mine. He is mine. That means He wants me to be the one who knows He came to save me. If I was the only sinner in the whole world, would the Lord Jesus go through the same thing just for me? Yes or no? Absolutely. Each one of us should know this. Absolutely. If I was the only sinner, he would still go through that and more just for me. He accepts me although I've wronged him time and time again. He searches for me when I go astray and I'm lost. He travels far from me like he did for the Samaritan woman. Just for her. He came just for her, and He spares me, covering my sin, and supports me till I come back to Him. One of my favorite titles of the Lord, it says in the Psalms, You are He who is ready to forgive. He is ready to forgive. That means even before I sin, He's ready to forgive me. Even before I turn my back on Him, His arms are outstretched, waiting for me to come back when I turn my back on Him. He is mine, my good Savior. He is mine. And He first offers Himself to me. He had to offer Himself first for Him to be mine. We love Him because He... Hmm, first loved us. From when He first loved us? From when? From the foundation of the world, right? To get a glimpse on how God loved me before I was even created, before He even created the universe, when a couple who's married finds out that they're pregnant, how much they love that child before they even, even met that child. How much they are holding the child and singing to the child and preparing and decorating the room for the child and have the child's name picked out and all the clothing picked out and preparing everything 
sometimes even having to buy a minivan or go through lengths, right? All for this child that they've never met. That's a tiny glimpse of how much God sees and loves us. The Psalms tell us, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You knit me together. Get that image. God knitting you in your mother's womb. That means his hands completely were impressed in me. You had to be so delicate. When you knit something, you have to be so delicate. He knit me in my mother's womb. My good Savior, he belongs to me. Going back to the story of the prodigal son that we heard in the great land. So beautiful. And the most beautiful part of the story is not when the father accepts the son back, although it's so beautiful. And we've all experienced it. Maybe we went through our stage of rebellion. Maybe I'm in the middle of rebellion right now. And I'm kind of coming to church because I need to come to church because it's Pesca week and my friends are coming. Mom and dad pushed me to come or I have to come. Maybe. Maybe some of us are coming with the right heart and we're ready. But no matter the reason why you're here, God still accepts. And God has been waiting for you. If you ask any priest or any parent who had a child that strayed away, I'm sure my mom was in that boat, and my dad. When the child comes back, it's so easy to accept them back if they're truly back with a good heart, if they're truly back remorseful for the rebellion that they were living in. It's so easy. Ask any abuna, abuna, what's your favorite part of service? He'll say, when somebody was going and living in sin and they came back to Jesus. Oh my goodness. There's no greater feeling. In the midst of that party that the father threw for that kid, in the midst of that, as if he graduated the greatest achievement or he, he invented something or he got married, he threw the biggest party. But in the midst of that, he says, hmm, something is missing. What was missing in that party? Hmm. Hmm. The other son, you remember? The other son. He said, where's my son? Oh, he's here, don't you see him? No, 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 no. Where's my other son? And what did the father do? Did he stay in the party? He said, oh, he'll come later. Hmm. He left the party. He's still searching for the prodigal son. He left the party. And he begged the son. And the son said, you never did this for me. Do you remember what the father said? My son. Hmm. All I have huh, is yours. You're always with me. All I have is yours. And the Lord tells us the same thing. Everything I have is yours. Even I'm yours. Everything I have is yours. 
Do not fear, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to what? To give you, not to let you enter into the kingdom, not to let you enjoy the kingdom for eternity, to what? Give you the kingdom. And he's part of the kingdom. God is giving us himself for eternity. And he tells us this in Luke 12. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you, he will have them come, sit down to eat, and will come and serve them. What is heaven to God? God serving us for eternity. This is heaven to God. He's giving us himself for eternity. How does that look? No, no words can ever express. No eye has seen, nor ear heard, neither entered the heart of man. God freely gives you everything. St. Paul tells us in Romans, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things. My good Savior. And he's inviting you to know what this word mine is. We read in the first hour of the Gospels today, in the eve of Wednesday, of the wedding feast. And he sent out the servants begging them, please come, come. You are the honored guest. Am I making excuses? Am I wasting my time? Not recognizing how precious I am to him? He's mine and he is so good. He is the very definition of goodness. He is not like anything good that we understand. Because we talk about cake and cars and carpet as being good. His goodness is nothing that we understand. It's the limitless goodness. It's the incomprehensible, incomprehensible goodness. It's the infinite goodness. Is God fair, yes or no? Is God fair, yes or no? He's not fair. He's not fair. He's too good. He's too merciful. He's too loving. If He was fair, every time you made a mistake, you would get a punishment. Right? If He's fair. If He's fair, every time we've done something wrong, I have a consequence to teach me. But how many times have we sinned and God turns away. How many times have I ignored Him? He's there standing before me and He's telling me, open your Bible. Stay away from these people. Stop looking at this. Why are you listening to this? Why are you allowing this, this person in your life? Why are you doing this? It's harming you. And I ignore and ignore and ignore. I got a call from one of my youth that I love the most. And when I mean that, it means he gave me the most trouble. 
asking Yabun, the ones who gives us the most trouble, we somehow love them the most. And he called me and I said, where are you, Habibi? He said, I'm working. I said, take Good Friday off. He said, but I have work. And I said, but it's Good Friday. It's the day Jesus died for you. He said, does that mean I don't love him? Does that mean, I, I, can I be at work and love God and, and that's good enough? Isn't that good enough? And I told him, imagine if every time you called me and I say, oh, I love you in my heart. That's good enough. And I never really spent time with you, called you, checked on you, visited you. But you're in my heart. That's good enough. We do that to God over and over again. How many of your friends would still be your friends if you always ignored their phone call? How many of your friends would still be your friends if every time they walked by you, you looked away and pretended that they're not there? How many? And how many times do we do that to God in one day? In one day. There was an atheist who spoke to a Christian. And he said to you, it was a, a priest or a clergyman, he said, I'll prove to you 95% or more of your congregation are atheists. He said, what do you mean? He said, I'll prove it to you. 95% of your congregation are atheists. He said, how? He said, how many of those people do sins in secret? Is God not there watching them? Do they believe God is right there? He had no answer. No answer. And guess what? His arms are still open. And He's still waiting for you. And He still covers your sins. And when I get into a big situation, a big problem that I fall into, and I say, please help me, God. What does He do? Oh, sure, sure, let me help you. He is so good. He is not fair. God doesn't want you to just call Him good and sing it over and over again and not mean it. He wants you to mean that He is good. He wants you to pray really from your heart that He is so good. He doesn't want to accept it otherwise. If you 99% mean that it's, He's good, He doesn't want it. You have to believe with all your heart He is so good. Do you remember the rich young ruler who came and running to Christ and he knelt on his knees and he said what? Hmm? Good teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And he said what? Why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? You really don't believe that I'm good. Let us be careful when we pray and mean it from our heart. Satan wants us to question God's goodness. Satan wants us to question his character and his love for us. He did it from the very beginning. Did God really say not to eat from the tree? Ah, oh, 
He knows when you eat of it what it will do to you. If you really are the Son of God, then throw yourself down from here. Because don't you know what is written? And He does it with each of us. God says this, the Bible says this. But you're depriving people of their happiness. How dare you? You're a bigot. How could God say something like that? Don't read this outdated book. God, God's goodness is the most threatened thing in this day and age. Truth and goodness. Questioning God's character. Questioning God's wisdom. Questioning if God loves you. Questioning if He exists. If you stand for the truth, you will be hated, my beloved. You will be hated. Know it. But you, we read today in the wisdom of Sirach, it said this, Stand for the truth even till death. Even till death. We have a big icon in our church of the 21 martyrs, life-size icon. And I'm so glad we did it. Because it reminded me for men that didn't compromise. For Christians that are just like you and me. And next to them is St. Anthony. Those men, they're not far from you and me. They were raised like you and me. But they wouldn't compromise the truth. They know who their good Savior was. What's the measure of His goodness? This is how unfair God is. Listen to this. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. Come now, let us reason together. When we hear this in today's terms, it's a person that wants to make a deal with you. Come on, let's make a deal. Says the Lord. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Let's make a deal. Your sins are like scarlet. Your sins, it's blood. Scarlet is a red, deep red color. Your sins are like scarlet. Your sins means someone should die. But they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I want to make a deal with you. You give me your trash. You give me your sins. You give me your filth. You give me your pain, your struggle, your bad habits, your bad thoughts, our heart that is filled with filthiness, uh, all the people you've wronged, hatred. Give it to me. And I give you peace and joy and love and compassion, and I'll always hold you, and whenever you need me, I'm there, and before you ask, I'm there, and I will take care of every need that you have. I think it's a good deal. As far as East is from the West, so far He has removed our transgressions from us. No greater love does one have than for one to die for his friends. He is the very definition of goodness. His truth is goodness. His love is goodness. 
St. Gregory, the liturgy of St. Gregory, the Gregorian that we pray, love this one line, it says, no manner of speech can measure the depth of your love for mankind. We can't think of words, Lord, to describe in the smallest of ways of how much you love us. There's no way, there's no way, no manner of speech, no matter how you say it, what you say, it will never measure the depth of how much you love us. God's goodness is embarrassing. It's embarrassing. That's what is supposed to lead us to repentance. If we're not living repentant lives, if there are still sins I'm holding on to and I'm not trying to overcome, you don't know God's goodness. You don't know who God is. Because it says in Romans, God's goodness leads us to repentance. Immeasurable, infinite goodness. I love to say this. The greatest sin that you ever have done, the worst thing that you, you ever have done, the most embarrassing thing, the thing you never want to ever, ever, anybody to know or talk about or even think that you even thought of this, is willing to forget and forgive and remember no more. And the smallest, tiniest, littlest thing that you've done good, he will never forget. Look at that. The worst thing or things or things that we do over and over again. He wants to look away. We say, turn away your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. And the smallest little, most insignificant thing that you probably didn't even recognize that was a good thing. He will never forget and you have a reward in heaven. What is this? What is this goodness, God? The last part of it is my good Savior. Savior. That term Savior is so precious to Christ that he made it his name. Do you know what the word Jesus means? I just gave you a hint. It means what? Savior. He forever wants you to call him Savior. And that word Savior is not just a light word that means, oh, somebody who saved me. Intertwined with the word Savior means death. It means he had to die for me to save me. This is the title that is so precious to him. I'll finish for the sake of time <clears throat> with a story that we didn't read in the Pascha book, but it probably happened on Tuesday. The fathers of the church said it, and the way you look at it, it's a person who knew my good Savior. Do you remember the story of the old widow who was in the temple? And in the middle of all the men that were, all the people that were throwing tons and tons and tons of money and and they heard the money because it was coins back then and it was a show. This little lady slips by in between, not wanting anyone to notice her. And she threw in how much? 
Hmm? Two little pennies. Two little, actually they're, they're worth less than a penny. Two mites. That's a lady who knew what my good savior means. Don't someone who knew he would never betray her. That even if she gave everything, that he was still going to take care of her. I can imagine that lady say, Haram, Finas mahtaka akhtar minni. Right? We see this. Somebody needs this more than me. I give it to the church. Are we living this way? Do you know God this way? If you don't, He's waiting for you. This is the week. If there are sins in your life that are still plaguing you, if there are habits that are still overtaking you, if there are things that are still not worked out in your heart, this is your week. This is your week. What are we saying over and over and over again? Thine is the what? The power, the glory, the blessing, the majesty, yours. If I'm trying to overcome these things alone, I think mine is the power. No, it's thine is the power. When you pray this, really from the bottom of your heart, you will overcome anything. Pray it from the depth of your heart and believe it because he's your good Savior. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, and unto the